0: Thanks for choosing to spend some time in conversation with me again today. I'm Deanna Fletcher and I'm super excited about today's conversation with globe trotter, writer and travel blogger, Sarah Clark. Her disasters of a 30-something adventures on Instagram have not only captured the highlights, but also some of the lowlights of her gap year abroad, as Sarah aims to make social media more transparent rather than just a highlights reel. Around New Year in 2016, Sarah made a decision to stop putting off what could be and decided that 2017 was going to be a year of adventure. So together with her husband, she left everything behind, quitting her job, renting out her home, and embarked on an adult gap year travelling the world. Open to new possibilities, the couple only booked their first flight and set off without an itinerary. She recently returned to the UK and joins me fresh from her year of travels. Thanks for your company, Sarah Clark. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me back. Now, what is your um, blogger name? Because it's not Sarah Clark. (laughs) No, uh, it's Disasters of a 30-something. Now, you're a travel blogger and a writer. Yes. Why have you chosen that as your... Title slash handle slash. Very good question. Whatever.
1: Very good question because it doesn't give you the kind of name where you'd think bl- brands and people might want to work with you because you're a disaster.
0: But basically, but also, what happens when you're forty? Then you would. Uh, I you know. Change but your I name? started it like three
1: years ago when I was only just thirty. I um I chose the name because I had all these stories of things I'd done wrong and stupid little things where I just messed up and embarrassed myself, and I was having a bit of a creative lull where I thought, oh, I want to start a blog and I want to write down my stories. That I used to tell at dinner parties and tell my friends and they loved and I was like I'm gonna get them on a blog and then my future great-grandchildren can read all the stupid things that their great-grandma did so I started the blog really just for me um, to write them down and some of my friends read it and then it started to kind of take off from there and I did an Instagram Twitter and stuff to go around it so Disasters of a 30-something was my little book of stories on the online and then from there my Instagram kind of grew a little bit And it became more about travel and lifestyle and that kind of thing. But still, I hope, with the kind of slightly different approach than some bloggers have, where they try and make everything look... Or they they successfully make everything look super glossy and glamorous, Mm. and that's not me and it's not what i kind of wanted to be so the disasters title still gives me that slightly different edge of like i'm trying to be real here i'm trying to show that life's not all glossy and things go wrong so now as well as being called disaster for 30 something and yes you're right eventually i'll have to maybe change that when i hit 40 in seven (laughs) seven years time as well as doing that i also have something called peak and pit so every single day i share my peak and pit of the day so It's really nice to be able to share nice things that have happened to you. So obviously those are your peaks. And I encourage other people to do the same. There's a hashtag called the Peak and Pit Collective, which I started that people can join in with. Um, So I share my peaks and that's lovely because it's nice to share what's going well in your life. Mm. But then alongside those every single day, I share the pit, the worst thing that's happened to me. And that was really fun when we were travelling because things went wrong every day.
0: So it sounds like also I think a best-selling book. To be fair, disasters oh well, of a thirty-something. <laughs> it reminds me of like the Shopaholic series. I don't know why. I'm very flattered. Well, if anybody is
1: listening and wants to give me a book deal, uh, my door is <laughs> completely open. Right. I have been I have been thinking of of doing something with it. Um, but I just really love that. Not to big myself up because it's not. I actually got it from the Kardashians. So I stole the <laughs> I stole the peak and Pit title. But I actually love sharing highs and lows. I think it's a really nice way of kind of giving a little window into what your life. Actually, like rather than just, yeah, you know, Instagram is definitely a showreel of people's like perfect,
0: their best side and their best outfit. And but I think as well, if you're a makeup or hair blogger, um, that kind of makes sense. You want to show your best, you're not going to show a bad, yeah, eye flick, or are you? Going, or whatever. No, it's like this is when I did it wrong, <laughs> although some people do that on YouTube. Um, but when you're traveling, let's talk about the travel blogger side of what you do because actually, um, you're somebody who I think is on the journey still to greatness when it comes to your. your your travel blogging, um, you are in the process of looking at how to turn it into a business but you already have a really large following, and you've actually just come back from this a very adult gap year. <laughs> adult makes it sound rude. Yeah, a grown up. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. A, a grown, grown up gap year. Gap year. Because yeah. apparently, um, a lot of people nowadays, something like a quarter of, of Brits, wish they'd taken a gap year, and that is something that quite a few, you know, posher kids might do, <laughs> taking a gap year. You know, go gap, yeah. before university and after you finish school and your education. Um, why did you decide that at thirty something? to literally quit your job and just go travelling for a year with your husband? I
1: think it was a case of if we don't do it now, it's just not going to happen. Things always creep in, don't they? You know, at the moment, my husband and I, we don't have children. We do have a mortgage, but we were able to get tenants into our house. And I think we just felt like the world is out there to be explored. And it's a bit of a kind of YOLO type of thing. You only live once, it's so cheesy, but Mm. I just literally, we, we used to talk about it all the time. Imagine living in a little beach hut in Thailand, imagine seeing, you know, Table Mountain. And we just were so excited. And I think for me, I've I've never been a particularly career-focused person. I've got friends, and I really look up to them. They're amazing doctors, lawyers, teachers, whatever. Um, And for me, I've always enjoyed my work, but my life is so much more than that, and and my focus has always been more on having fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and like, creating memories and, and, and focusing on my relationships. So... When when I, I met my husband, Johnny, we both had wanted to travel. He's actually lived abroad. He lived in China and Nigeria. I've lived abroad a little bit when I was younger. So we had travelled. We weren't complete novices. We'd both, you know, been on various holidays and things and travelled. But we really wanted to do a whole year where we just put everything in a
0: backpack and, and set so up. So you planned almost like a New Year's resolution one year that, OK, the year ahead, 2016, the year ahead we're going to plan... 2017, we're going to do it. Absolutely. You quit your jobs, both of you, as in so why did you quit your jobs so and not refer for a year or like? That's a good question, I think for me, I d- you know that feeling <laughs> everyone
1: listening will probably have this feeling, you know when you go on a school holiday, like summer holiday you come back in September and immediately you write your name in your book and you feel like you, you never had a holiday, mm. you feel like it never happened, you're just back in school, everything's familiar, same corridor same smell, you've got your packed lunch, your best friend sat next to you and you're like did the summer holiday ever actually happen yeah. it's so depressing, so I didn't although I did actually love my job, I was working for a brilliant magazine Lizzo Wellbeing and my my husband was working oil and gas we both had jobs that we really enjoyed I really didn't want to go back to the exact same job and we gave up our flat I didn't want to go back to the same flat which we loved I just felt like if we did the travel year
0: and went back to where we were exactly before it would almost feel like it just been a dream and I think when you take a massive step like this and go on an adventure for a whole year just the two of you I love that you had the expectation of I'm going to come back different
1: Yeah I think I was allowing that's a really good point and I hadn't even maybe even processed that in my head but I think maybe subconsciously I was allowing for the the fact that anything could happen and we were both really open maybe it was conscious as well because we were both really open to the fact that oh my goodness if we fall in love with New Zealand maybe we'll just end up living there or if we fall in love with travelling and we can afford to maybe we just will do more than a year maybe we'll just carry on And actually what we found was we really missed England after a year because we both have little nieces and nephews and family and we missed, you know, just sitting on a sofa with a cup of tea and watching British television. And there were little things that are silly, but we did actually miss about home. Um, But I think, yeah, we, we expected to come back maybe different, maybe wanting something different and just not having a deadline I didn't want to have a sabbatical and know I had to come back you know October the 3rd Mm. 2017 or or whatever I, I just I didn't want to have that looming in the back of my mind I wanted to feel completely free and that's actually how we did feel it was amazing so yeah we were on a strict budget and yeah we had we had nothing to come back to so it felt maybe some people would find that scary I actually really liked it but it felt so free. It felt like there was no manager waiting for you to check back in. There was no um, email inbox waiting for you. With you know,
0: if you if you go on sabbatical, you'd probably come back to two hundred thousand emails. Or you, you continue to check your emails while you're away. Exactly. Whereas this sounds like you had a real experience where you you really lapped up the experience and put everything else on hold. So how did you do a trip? Did you plan out? The first six months to a (laughs) T. No, I'm afraid not.
1: And I am aware that that's not for everyone because what you're going to hear from me is that we didn't really plan anything. So we knew my sister lives in Zimbabwe. So we spent the first month there and that was actually for New Year. So My other sisters were there. I'm one of four. So the first month of our travels was actually with family, which was really lovely. So we're in Africa, but it was quite familiar because I've been there before and we're with my family. Um, And then Johnny and I went out on our own and we knew the first place we wanted to go to was New Zealand. So we had one flight booked from Zim, which was to New Zealand.
0: And that's all we had booked. But that's already from the UK to Zim in Africa to then fly to NZ that's like that's like you've just globe trotted there I know
1: you didn't want to do a bit of Africa first well we came back and actually did more of Africa later but we didn't plan so I know that sounds ridiculous so a lot of people said to us oh are you going to buy one of those around the world tickets they're they're really good value and I was like yeah maybe we could do but we didn't want to know where we were going next we really enjoyed the freedom of you know bumping into someone on a beach in Thailand and they recommend a little island that they've just come from or, or you meet someone in Singapore and they just recommend something down in Hong Kong. We really loved making it up as we went along. And like I said that's not for everybody and it's definitely not the cheapest way of doing it. Although we tried to be sensible, you know, once we kind of knew where we might want to go next, we'd look at flights and we'd start to think, right, we can't leave next week, the flights
0: have gone up. Let's leave in 3 weeks time, the flights are cheaper. But the point is it's just the two of you, you can yeah. make the decisions together. We had
1: nobody tell us what. It was such yeah. a lovely freeing feeling. So I can't Im- I can't think of another time in my life when I haven't had a parent or a teacher or a boss telling me where I need to be and when. There's You grow up and you always have your parents telling you what to do or your guardian, you know, whatever your family situation is. And then you're at school and then you're at uni and then you have a job. So there's always somebody... Dictating your life. Looming, as yep. nice as they might be, yep. looming and dictating. And for me and Johnny, it felt so freeing to be like, no one's telling us where to go next. We can make it up as we go along. And we actually went back. We made no sense at all because we'd go back the opposite direction around the world and then go back again. We were just... We were just going wherever we felt like it. So we loved Indonesia and we went back three times because we didn't feel like we'd done enough. So Mm. you only have a month visa. So after a month, we'd go somewhere else and we'd go back again. Because we were like, we don't care. We're not trying to prove anything to anyone. We're not trying to tick off as many countries as possible. We ended up doing, I think, 10 countries. And in a year, you probably could have done quite a lot more than that. But we spent quite a long time in each one that we really loved. So two months in New Zealand and three months in Indonesia, two months in Thailand, two months in Zimbabwe a month in Tanzania so we just we kept like arriving somewhere and if we loved it really trying to get the most out of it rather than you know if you had a round the world ticket you probably have to move on before
0: you were perhaps ready. Now, it's a practical question, but already I'm thinking that's great, but you have to get shots to go to some countries and you have to get visas to go to some countries. So if you weren't really planning your trip before you left England, how did you deal with all those sorts of things? I actually,
1: this is, I'm the worst person to have on a podcast because I'm so disorganised. So I actually went for my injections. I hate needles. I left my injections till the last minute and I went for them and and the nurse said, right, the only one you're missing is rabies. And she said, when do you leave to go travelling? And I said, next week. She said, oh, darling, you've left it much too late. (laughs) You're supposed
0: to have three shots over three or four weeks oh so you were just basically getting shots for everything before you left
1: no I didn't I okay. didn't I, I I I kind of left it too late and so she said well just try, she said to me and I remember this try not to get bitten by a dog or a monkey and you'll be absolutely fine so we saw quite a lot of stray dogs and we actually did go to a monkey forest but I managed actually no a monkey scratched me but I managed not to oh get my rabies. goodness The so please don't a yeah please don't this is, is not me saying what to do you should get your shots no. but yeah I think most doctors will say, you know, if you're going anywhere in South America, you might need this. If you're going anywhere in Africa, you might need this. So you just kind of
0: had a... The point is, before you left, you had a general thought of, I'm going to these parts of the world, I'll just get what I need to get before I go. Yeah,
1: I think we knew we we were going to New Zealand, and we knew my sister lived in Africa, so we'd be in Africa. And then everything else, you know, I think Asia really appealed to us. We both... I mean, as simple as the fact we both love noodles. (laughs) We both love sunshine. So I think... We we knew we'd be in Asia, but we didn't know specifically where. And I think South America for us did seem like a whole massive adventure that maybe needed its own, you know, you can't really do South America quickly.
0: You not really do anywhere quickly, but I think we There's knew. a lot to see in the world yeah, so I really think, get into it. I think
1: we thought maybe that wouldn't be the part of this trip, North and South America, not because we didn't want to, but just because that's a whole other part of the world. So you
0: did think about it and you did plan did. it in the year you went before you left. You just didn't necessarily plan the minute um, yeah, schedule. Yeah, we didn't know
1: exactly which countries, but we knew, oh, well, if we're... We,
0: we both knew that we wanted to be on, like, exotic beaches yeah. where would that be it's not the same as just getting up and quitting one day because you didn't have enough like you'd had enough you actually thought about it for the year ahead you oh yeah planned, we were super
1: ex- yeah don't get me wrong we were yeah, super yeah. excited about it and we'd saved and we'd and we'd planned some parts we just we wanted to keep most of it free and we wanted to allow for that spontaneity that happens when you travel you you meet other people you you turn up in a country that you thought you wouldn't like and you absolutely love or vice versa you thought you'd love someone and it's not that great so you move on um, so
0: where did you go that you didn't think you'd like but it actually won you over?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. My husband's much more outdoorsy than me. I'm a bit more of a city person. But actually, I did find that the wild open spaces in New Zealand were just amazing. There's hardly anyone there. It's just crazy, especially when you come from London. So I really, really loved that. I actually, it sounds bad, but I actually loved everywhere we went. We we didn't often move on that quick. The only place that didn't massively pull me in to want to spend more time there was Bangkok. I found it a little bit oppressive. And I also found it quite sad, like the undercurrent mm. of um, of you know, slavery there and, and trafficking and stuff. And I, and I couldn't ignore that. So walking down the street, when there were all the kind of red light um, bars and things, it really upset me. I, I couldn't just brush it off as being, oh, this is the Bangkok experience. It really got to me. So that was somewhere that, you know, we, me and my husband actually spoke to a lot of the girls and we tried to befriend people rather than just ignoring them. But we just... It just left me feeling like a bit, a bit sad, and not somewhere that I just thought, oh, what a great place to like party and hang out. I just was like, no, this is. I almost don't want to encourage the fact that this is happening.
0: Yeah, and when you're aware of the issues, it's hard to then ignore them. Totally. What was it like having a year where there was no expectation from anyone?
1: (laughs) It was amazing. I cannot tell you how amazing it was it felt like I was living. It felt like I was living rather than working, living rather than trying to achieve, living rather than ticking things off. Although obviously we were travelling and ticking things off, it just felt like every day we'd wake up and we'd say, what do we want to do today? What do we feel like doing? Let's go climb a mountain. Let's go lie on the beach. And sometimes we were really lazy. And sometimes what we wanted to do was stay in our hotel room and watch Netflix because we were absolutely exhausted. And there was nothing wrong with that. We didn't punish ourselves if we were in some beautiful exotic location and we didn't actually want to leave our room. We didn't want to put that pressure on ourselves of like we're traveling we have to be super adventurous every single day because you would literally die of exhaustion I just loved that feeling of of there was just nobody looking over our shoulder nobody telling us where we had to be next or what we had to do
0: how do you bring that feeling of living and not achieving and bringing that Kind of mindset back into city life where you actually because it's taking a gap year is awesome. You've done what a lot of people dream of. You've planned for it. You've made it happen for yourself. But it's a year. It's a finite length of time. Yeah. You still have to then come back to work, and you've got family obligations, and it's just the world that we live in. But I think that what you're describing sounds so much healthier. And they're teaching us now, aren't they? Listen to your body. Like it's yeah. not something I was ever taught growing up. Like, what do you? How do you feel? And I'm like, oh, I should listen to what... Do you know what I mean? Totally. How do d- we do that? I know. I think it's really
1: hard. And I think that is becoming more fashionable. Fashionable is the wrong word. But we're getting better at mindfulness mm. and slowing down and and not trying to live for other people's expectations. As I'm growing up, you know, as I'm getting older into my 30s, I am realising that... People don't care what I do. They're too busy worrying what they're doing. Yes, so we're
0: far too self-involved. I'm far to be too talking. self-involved.
1: I'm thinking, oh, what am I wearing today? Everyone's going to think I'm a weirdo. They couldn't care less. Nobody could even tell you what you were wearing because they won't remember. Nobody could tell you what you did a year ago for your job because they're too busy worrying about their job. I it's think it's really true. It is. I think if you're listening to this and you're young, get, learn that early mm. because it's absolutely liberating. I think it's hard to bring back that feeling of freedom, but I've tried. I've tried really hard to do it. So. In many ways, I'm still kind of in that phase because I'm still living out of a bag because I'm still staying on people's sofas. We don't have a house and we don't have jobs. so. Because ma- you've literally just come back. We came back, I think, six, eight weeks ago. So we've been back a little while. It feels pretty recent in mm-hmm. terms of, like, this weekend, I'm still seeing new friends I haven't seen yet since we've been away and, and I'm putting myself out there in terms of freelance work. But I am still living out of a bag. We're staying with in-laws and parents and friends. And... We are still trying to keep that feeling of right. What do we want to do today? Because because we're not quite working yet, or because our work's a bit more um, flexible, we will. We're staying up in Northumberland quite a lot, and we will just go for a wild walk and and enjoy the beauty of England. I mean, and live rather than just work. Totally. To live. And there's yep. so much to do here, which you don't have to. If you know, if you're listening to this and you can't afford to go around the world, there's so much. Beauty on our doorstep. You know, we saw amazing waterfalls and lakes and um little villages while we were travelling, but that's all here. That's all in the UK as well. It just um it's just a case of getting out there and and feeling like you can see it. I think I am trying to keep that feeling of freedom and I'm clinging on to it and it still it still is kind of there, but it is a bit more of a challenge every day to be like you know, you can get sucked back into that busyness of, oh gosh, and we this get person, you've emails, anxiety. you've got phone yeah. calls, voicemails, you've got all that. Um, even fun things, it sounds ridiculous, but even I realised before we left, even the fun things that I was doing were becoming almost a stress. I love my friends and family, but, you know, when you've got something every single evening because you've promised this friend that or you, or you want to go to that party and then you've got that baby shower and, and X, Y, Z. Isn't that
0: such a shame? We have so many wonderful things in our lives and, again, the pressure and the anxiety takes over, which must be, is that stuff that we put on ourselves? I think so. I think,
1: I think we can be pretty hard on ourselves of, oh, I'm going to that party. I have to get the perfect present for that friend. But sometimes that friend just wants you to turn up and be there, you know, just your presence is enough. Sometimes we put pressure on ourselves of, I've got to get a new dress for that event and actually you could wear an old dress. <clears throat> and, yeah. either, and either nobody would notice, or they'd be like, "Brilliant! You're,
0: you know, you're wearing the same thing. That's good. We, you know, it's not fast and what fashion." What kind of friends do you have? I know, that no, are these are not my, out. no, but these are you know, not my friends. Like, if we think, if we're so concerned with what we're wearing, like, like you said, your presence. I had a conversation with someone just the other day, yeah. for this series, and they said the exact same thing. Your presence is enough. I don't think we realize that. I think I'm actually using this as an excuse because I'm pretty
1: bad. I actually forget to get cards and presents. I'm more about being there in, in the in person and trying to be a fun, friendly person to be with in person. And I forget to bring flowers or cards or uh, I'm just forgetful. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, even sometimes fun things can weigh up on us. And that's silly because our friends don't have those expectations. We do just put them on ourselves, I think. And I'm trying to be more real since we got back. I'm trying to be more... Um, I'm trying to be a better friend by just being there in person. And I think you do realise, like we were saying before as you get older, that people don't even necessarily care (laughs) what it is you're doing they just want you to be happy so your friends and family you might think oh everyone's going to be so like everyone's going to be so proud of me if I get to this position in my job or if I if I get this amazing flat that I saw that I can't quite afford but I'm going to try and get it your friends don't really mind I remember hearing this thing the other day you know if you're having friends over for dinner you always think, I've got to cook something amazing out of a cookbook but if you turned up to your friend's house and they'd got pizza how happy would you be You'd very be very happy because exactly. pizza is my favorite food group M- me of too. all time Me too so you turn up and they've got dominoes. you're not going to be like oh I can't believe you didn't make can't a three you course didn't meal slave over
0: for me that But if you were the host you'd, you'd
1: think I'm not ordering pizza that's so that's terrible but actually the guests don't care they're just there to see you yeah. so I think it's that expectation we put on ourselves of being this perfect host and friend and partner and and
0: actually people just want you to be real I think that's I think that's what I'm realizing so back to your trip what are two or three four highlights of what
1: you've seen oh that's such a good question the one that springs to mind uh, well there's a few that spring to mind but we climbed Lion's Head which is in Cape Town and it's not quite as tall as Table Mountain we chose the one that was like almost Table Mountain height it's right in the same kind of series of of um hills and it was stunning. We left really early in the morning, I think half four. And I'm not one for early mornings. I think it was one of the only times on our entire trip that we set an alarm. Wow. <laughs> well, other than maybe catching a flight here and yeah. there, but we just we wouldn't set an alarm. We'd just wake up when we woke up because obviously we weren't trying to prove anything. No. But this one, we were told, get there for sunrise. Yeah. And it was absolutely stunning and like i said i'm kind of i can be more of a city person you climb lion's head and you can see the coast you can see the city waking up all the lights coming on you know all the lights going off you know as as the sun goes up but then you can also see like the wild table mountain hills and it is just the most stunning thing in the world I couldn't believe it and it wasn't as hard a climb as I thought so I was pleasantly surprised because I was thinking oh my gosh it's gonna be terrible and we did it within an hour and I thought it was gonna take three um so the feeling I felt of elation at the top that we were there and then the rest was gonna be downhill it's such a nice feeling when you're at the top of a hill and you know the part afterwards is just gonna be downhill so that was insane I loved table I loved um Cape Town um I also really loved um Flores in Indonesia we went to um what they called the Komodo we saw the Komodo dragons. So we went to Komodo Island. So those are the like the eight, nine foot dragons. Those are massive, massive basically. Well, not real dragons, though, are they? Well, they're called dragons. They're basically humongous lizards, like, bigger than a person. And so it's just like you feel like you're a borrower because you're next to this dragon (laughs) and it's bigger than you. Um, So that was absolutely incredible. And that's when we were living on a little boat out in Indonesia. So we lived on a boat for a few days, I think four nights, three nights. And that was just incredible. So that's another highlight. Um, Spending time with family... um, when we were in Zimbabwe so we went to Zimbabwe twice once right at the beginning like I said of our trip to see my sister and nearer the end we were there as well just because I've got three little nieces and nephews out there so it was nice to see them I think Johnny and I'd really missed being with other people being we'd
0: loved being just the two of us but we hadn't seen any family for that whole year so yeah. it was really nice to be back there now while you were on this incredible life-changing trip you've got <laughs> some good news And you got some sad news. Yeah, we did. Uh, We fell pregnant when we were in Thailand
1: and our baby came with us to Thailand and Hong Kong and Tanzania. And then when we were three months pregnant, we went for, when I was three months pregnant, we went for a scan. We were actually in Zimbabwe. And I think God put us there at that time because it was horrible. We found out our baby had died. Um, And I was 12 weeks. And had we been, just the two of us, on some remote island in the Indian, you know, in the Indian Ocean or whatever, um, we would have really struggled, I think, medically, but also just, it was lovely to be with family, of course. So that was, that was another, you know, I was really honest about that, actually. I talked about it on my Instagram with my peak and pit. My pit that day was I told everybody we've lost our baby and my peak was, my relationship with Johnny is even stronger and I've felt God with me completely real and it's, and it's just amazing um, but what came out of that was absolutely unbelievable I got something like 700 women message me saying it happened to them and I was just I mean I'm tearful now I've been thinking about it I was just blown away and I replied to everybody because I couldn't bear the thought of somebody bearing their soul to me and then me not replying to them. So I had these incredible messages. Not every single person was saying it happened to them, but most most were saying it happened to them. And I felt part of this strange club um, that nobody wants to be in, but it's such a lovely group of women. It is just the strongest, most honest and brave women. And um, and I was just so proud Um i was so proud to be part of it, and I was so grateful that I told people because it really helped me. I, I've I've learned that I'm. I mean, I think I always knew this, but I've learned that I'm a real extrovert, and I I can only work out how I feel about something by talking about it. So by telling people what had happened and we told them that night the night we found out I just I just told everybody on my instagram and I was really glad I did because a lot of people messaged me saying oh i kept it a secret and and i nobody knows and I, and i've never been able to talk to anyone about it and i felt really sad for them because i do think miscarriage
0: is still quite a taboo yes which it's t- a very hard thing to talk about, as we are finding now. Do you know
1: what? I, I didn't find... I mean, I know I'm getting a bit tearful now, just remembering, but I didn't find it hard to talk about it. I found it hard to imagine the women who had nobody to talk to about yeah. it. I found that really sad. And, yeah. and I was thinking, why is it such a taboo? There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing
0: we've done wrong, you know. These things happen, but unfortunately... And I, I, I suppose it's more of a displacement with women. There are a lot of people who write about this, th- these things now. Mm. But don't we struggle a lot more with shame about things that have n- it's n- out of our control? I know, and I just no felt. I felt no shame. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt no shame Good. whatsoever. And I, I was thinking, I've done
1: nothing wrong. Um, there's nothing wrong w- with my baby. It's just not going to live on Earth. Yeah. And, um, and I found it really freeing to talk about it and to hear other people's stories and God was so with me I've never felt I almost had this super and I don't know what anyone listening what their faith is whether you have a faith or not my faith really goes up and down and I am somebody who sometimes I won't open my Bible for like a whole year because I'm just you know I'm just a terrible terrible Christian (laughs) sometimes and I will God will be there with me and sometimes I'll talk to him and sometimes it just won't feel that relevant or whatever and when we lost our baby I had this supernatural joy It was so strange. Like, obviously, I was devastated. My heart was broken, but God gave me this crazy joy where I was so grateful for the things I had. It was almost like our baby going showed me what I actually had already. So I felt like, wow, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, and I need to cling to those things that I have because I don't know if I'll ever be a mum to a baby I can hold. I'll always be a mum because the baby I had that I lost, I'm its mum. Absolutely. And I believe that for everyone listening who's lost a baby, you're a mum. But I just, I don't know. It was crazy. And it, I know it did, couldn't have come from me because it was too powerful to, for me to have created in my head. It was just this feeling of God's with you. And look at all the things that you have.
0: And God is always with you, I think, that... Even
1: if you don't realise it. Even if you don't realise it. Because you've
0: just done this whole big year adventure. he protected
1: us. And he'd put us... I know... It wasn't in God's plan necessarily for us to lose our baby, but he'd put me somewhere I was looked after. Exactly. And it was a tricky time. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I had to have um, the procedure, you know, where they, you know, sort you all out medically. In 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 another country. In an African hospital that had a power cut. And Yes, that does not sound like a good time. No, it wasn't. Were you quite worried going into it? I think Johnny was more worried because he saw me get wheeled off and, and he couldn't come in with me and I refused the um I refused the pain. Medication because it was an injection, and because they're having a power cut, and I just didn't quite trust that. I thought if anything, you're in a foreign country. If anything was going to go wrong, I thought it's going to be an injection where I might catch something. So I refused the pain injection, and so I I was supposed to be on general anaesthetic or or local anaesthetic, and I didn't have anything. But I, do you know what? I felt without sounding like a martyr, I felt like, well, this is the. I saw all the women in the waiting room, and they had all their babies strapped to their back, and they were the local women, and I thought I can't turn my nose up at this hospital. This is their reality. Yeah, this is. I'm used to the NHS, and we can complain about the NHS in the UK but it is incredible and so I was in this little shack hospital it was literally a tin roof no no power and I was just thinking well if this is good enough for them it's going to have to be good enough for me today and it was fine you know nothing happened nothing bad happened and God was with me and that whole experience although it did break my heart and Johnny's heart I don't regret anything and I think it's made me really grateful or like a much more grateful person.
0: So, how is this whole experience, including the last part of your trip, uh, where you and your husband did lose your baby? You went out on this trip. You said before, subconsciously feeling like I'm probably going to be different when I come back. You've, you know, do you know what I mean, you'd, you'd you'd arrange for things to be different when you came home, and I can imagine that. Yes, absolutely, very certainly, you were very different on your return. Um, so, do you feel different? How has this experience changed you? That's a really good question.
1: I think, gosh, I think it's just made me want to treat every day like a little adventure because you don't have to be on a beach to have an adventure. You don't have to be up a mountain to have an adventure. It's about who you're with and um, appreciating what you have. So... I'm just, it's given me, it's so cheesy, but it's just given me this renewed sense of love for my life and it's made me just really want to spend, being away from friends and family makes you just want to cuddle them all day, just cling to them. So every time I get to see a friend or one of my sisters or my parents, now I just absolutely love even more spending time with them because I know what it feels like to not see the people you love for a whole year. It's made me not care as much about what people think, not care as much about what my job title is or you know what where we live or whatever it's just made me really appreciate really appreciate life and it's so cheesy I'm not
0: only this cheesy it's just it's just I don't know why we think that the simplicity of life is cheesy but we do we yeah. kind of feel like it needs to be grander yeah. like our explanation for things needs to be a little bit more like abstract and have interesting high words brow. in it Highbrow. I think it's yeah but actually life is simple
1: It's the simple, it is the simple things. It is having a cup of tea, sat with your friend. It is spending, it's going on a walk with your partner. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it is being with the people that you love and it doesn't matter where in the world you are, but there's beauty everywhere. That's what I've found. You know, you you can go to any third, you know, any developing world country or anywhere just around the corner from where you live and there's gorgeous things to be seen and there's adventures to be had. That's, I don't feel like the adventure stops now we're back. I feel like there's so many more adventures to be had.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for speaking with me today and You're your so candour and um, I really appreciate it. Disasters of a 30-something. Yes. Which in a few years might change. <laughs> in
1: six years' time, I'm going to <laughs> or I'm gonna have to lie about my age and just permanently be 39. <laughs> if you have any ideas of, um, of what my name could be, just send me a message on Instagram. Or
0: maybe one day you'll stop being disastrous. <laughs> I hope so. Genuine,
1: though, yeah. And we can call it what? I'll be glamour puss of a 40-something or like... <laughs> don't yeah. No, do that. no, I'm not going. To, don't worry. Uh,
0: thank you for keeping it real on Instagram oh, as well. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. No, well, pe- people, if you're listening and you're on Instagram, get involved with hashtag the Peak and Pit Collective because I love reading what people have been up to. And people have shared really honest things on there, funny things that have happened to them. But, you know, one day, one woman last week fell into a bin, so that was her bit How of the day. How do you fall into a bin? I don't know. And then other ones, you know, people are struggling with certain medical conditions and mm. stuff and they're really honest on there so I absolutely love reading all those
0: and I read all of them well thank you very much thank you for having me My thanks to Sarah Clark for speaking with us today and for sharing so candidly about some of her experiences. You can follow her adventures on Instagram at Disasters of a 30-something and check out her online blog as well. If you haven't already, please do hit subscribe now so you don't ever miss out on any future conversations from Height of Heart. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Deanna Fletcher.